0: Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy
1: thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Hello and welcome to The Secret Library Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Donahue, and ever since I was little, I've been obsessed with books. So I started this show to interview authors and those behind the book so that we can learn not just why they mean something to us, but where they come from. Welcome to The Secret Library Podcast. This is episode five. And I'm here with Christina Orlando of Muse Monthly. And I met Christina, what was it, like two weeks ago? A week ago? Yeah, I think so. Christina signed up for one of my awesome um, 100 readings tarot project. And we did a reading, and she told me that she did a subscription box for book lovers. And I said, oh, I know we have to talk about this. So, yeah. So I snatched her right up for the show, and um, I want to hear more about the history of it because I loved hearing about the philosophy of the subscription box, but I also want to hear just, I want to hear how you got to this point, the history.
0: Um, (laughs) The legacy of Muse Monthly. Um, (laughs) Totally. All right, so um, Muse Monthly is a subscription box for books and tea. We send out a new novel and tea pairing every month to our subscribers um, it's a ton of fun. We started over a year ago that I started working on it. We launched our Kickstarter in May, which was insane. At the time, I had a business partner who is no longer with the project, but we—it was like the most insane thirty days of my life. We made our goal within the first four days, and we ended wow. up doing four hundred percent of the original goal, which was nuts and totally validating it was totally a surprise that so many people were interested in what we were doing and it was very much like you know we're just two girls in our in our living room like putting something together and people like it and so that was really really exciting Um, and we've been going strong for about a year now so it's been good. And it's been so much fun. And the best part is, you know, connecting with other book lovers and talking to people about tea and, um, and new releases and getting to chat about the things that I'm really passionate about.
1: I love it. So, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like books and tea? I'm so glad that you were validated. So how do you go about picking which books you're going to use and which teas? And is there a particular tea book relationship as you thematically pick the book and the tea together
0: right so the tea and the book are meant to be paired together for an experience so they're meant to complement each other um usually what we do is by theme or what i call atmosphere Mm -hmm. sort of meant to create like an experience or you know a sense of comfort that they're supposed to sort of complement each other And essentially what happens is I usually end up picking the book first. So we focus on new releases within a month or two of their release date, debut authors, and also marginalized voices. So we have a lot of of women writers. We have a lot of people of color. We have a lot of stories that deal with themes like race and gender and sexuality and things like that. Because we like to to be progressive, and I don't want to just give you the same old thing that that you might pick up from Barnes & Noble or whatever else. It's always about finding something new, finding something that's going to be exciting and different, and a story that you wouldn't necessarily pick up for yourself. We always are focused on great writing. At the heart of it, it's always about what is the most compelling story and what's got the best writing. And we try to do, you know, we try to do a mix of major publishers and indie publishers. So the the phrase that I use a lot is not your average Dan Brown. <laughs> um, not to, um, you know, he's done great work and his books are amazing. But, you know, it's all about finding something that's maybe flying a little bit under the radar and is not a huge commercial release.
1: So how do you so. keep up with the demand of finding a book? Like how many books are you reading and how much is it taking to find something that fits this criteria <laughs> every month? That's amazing. I read
0: a lot. Uh, <laughs> I will say, like, I would like swing the camera around and show you the stacks of books that I have. <laughs> but I, I am at the point where publishers will send me things that they think would be good for us, but also go out and search for things. So I'll search for what's coming up within the next couple of months that people are buzzing about that looks like it would fit. That's different from the stories that we've done previously, you know, so I'm always trying to do something different than what we've sent before, not necessarily what everyone else is sending. And it's just a matter of sort of keeping up with the news. And then we also go to a book conference every year. My mom and I go together. We go to Book Expo America. And last year we came home with 150 advanced reader copies. This time I have about maybe 120 and they're all like, I'm just staring at them right now. It's very intimidating. They're all sitting on my floor because I don't have space for them on my shelf anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I read a lot. <laughs> it's a process of going through them one by one and finding something that's really captivating.
1: So I have so many questions about this. But I think the first would be, <laughs> how far into a book do you think you have to read before you make a decision about it? Because there's no way you can read all those all the way through.
0: I try to read them all the way through. I don't end up reading all of them all the way through. I usually, like if it's not going to work, I'll know within the first chapter or two. Okay, And that is mostly based on the quality of the writing. If the writing is not there for me then I'm not going to move forward with it and it's you know it's not that like I'm not interested in the story because maybe I'll go back to it eventually but it's not what we want to focus on for Muse Monthly. Um, if the story is really good I know within the first paragraph or two. Oh wow. Okay. And it's just a matter of like this is it you know and there's sometimes where there's a book there's been a couple of times there's a book that um, I've been excited about for a while that like I get that feeling of like, this is going to be perfect. I know from like the synopsis that it's going to be really, really good. So yeah, I just, I, I usually know pretty quickly if it's something that I'm going to go with or not.
1: I think that's true. It's like you're in a bookstore. Whenever I'm in a bookstore, my aunt yeah. and I are huge bookstore visitors. And whenever I see her and we'll pick something up and we'll read like the first page and be like, do I want to right. take this home? And, mm-hmm. um, and you usually know if you want to take it home.
0: Because I know what I'm looking for now. I think in the beginning, I didn't know what I was looking for. And when we were new, I didn't have that many options. And people weren't so willing to send me stuff. But now I have so many options that I can go and take a look at them pretty quickly and say, this one isn't going to work, or this one's great, and this one's great. So I have an option and have a backup if, You know, if something happens.
1: And then, so how did you build the relationship with the publishers? I'm assuming it's getting easier and easier the longer that you're there to say, hey, I do this, I've I've done all of these books, do you want yours in there?
0: Exactly. Um, it really was just a matter of asking. And that was one of the things that was so surprising when I was starting to build Muse Monthly within you know the months before the Kickstarter. I really just sent out emails to publishers and I said, hey, I'm working on this project. It's going to be a subscription box for Books and Tea. You know, we'd love to work with you. If you think the idea is cool, let me know what you got coming up that you think would be good for it. You know, whatever you guys are excited about, we'd like to take a look at. And they were really responsive, which to me was like crazy because (laughs) I never expected Like I have a really good relationship with Penguin Random House and with Macmillan now and they're major publishers. And I was like, these people are never going to email me back. You know it's been really great, and it worked out for the best and I've made some friends from this experience, so that's really great, but it was really like i I did not expect them to write me back, but it was just a matter of asking
1: I think that's such a huge message too for I mean, I wrote a newsletter recently about wanting to get paid to read, <laughs> like, different ways that you can, you know, because I yeah. think all of us who are big book people are like, if only I could make money by laying around and reading. Yeah. Not to suggest that you're laying around with that many uh, with that many review <laughs> copies. That doesn't sound as, doesn't sound like it's in a hammock with, you know, like a nice cocktail, but but it is. It's just like there are options if people are creative, like what you're doing yeah. to say you can make a business out of reading.
0: Absolutely. And I actually remember being really young, being, like, maybe in first or second grade, and we were doing a worksheet that was, like, different types of jobs, and one of them was reader, and I was like, that's not a job, (laughs) and now I'm like, (laughs) 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 I get to read and drink tea for my job, and it's excellent, but the truth is that there's, all. I think, especially for people who maybe are, are writers or who are English majors or whatever, there's, this this concept in society that an English degree is not going to get you anywhere. And it's not, you know, it's not a money-making field. And a lot of humanities types of fields have this same issue. But there are a lot of options. It's just that, you know, you maybe don't get a lot of representation. You don't get a lot of access to them. There's so, so many opportunities for people who love books, who love to read Um, Whether it's blogging or getting into writing about books, doing reviews, or whatever the situation may be, if you get into publishing or if you're doing something like this, where you're doing a subscription box or talking to other people about books with YouTube or whatever it is, there's tons of options out there. And there's a huge book reading community on the internet. So people are there, people are listening, there are people who are nerdy just like you and me who are ready for that kind of content
1: yeah the nerds are on the internet we're all on the internet
0: it's exactly it's true and it's so good for me because I'm like my people are here um I love I love I'm a huge internet person I spend all my time on the internet so (laughs) it's nice to have that that community ready and there and they're all like very communicative with each other and it's very much a group.
1: Do you get to talk to the authors at all? Do you end up talking to them or is it mainly the publishers that you deal with?
0: It's mainly the publishers, but we have done uh, author curated boxes in March. uh, V.E. Schwab released uh, her second book, A Gathering of Shadows, and she signed books for us and she also chose the tea that paired with it, which was great. And we are working working on doing something similar for the fall. I've got a couple of things on my wish list that I'm hoping will happen. One of my favorite authors we're in talks with, so it's like, if that happens, I'm going to cry (laughs) and faint and freaking out that this is even in conversation. So that's when I get to chat with the authors a little bit more, but mostly it's through their publishers and their PR team.
1: So what tea tea does she pick for... uh for that book?
0: Her tea was called A Midwinter Night's Dream and it's from Mr. Trombley's tea and it was a black tea with mint and chocolate and like little red peppers, I think. it was really, really good. It's like mostly chocolatey and, mm. and it paired really well with her novel and it was very much you know, a wintery kind of right. tea. So it worked very well and it was very popular that it sold out like flat. Like there's Amazing. none of it left.
1: I was, yeah, I was curious because I've read the first book in that series, but the second one is sitting in the house and I haven't gotten to it yet. And I was like, is it going to be like a red rooibos because of the red world and the yeah, the whole thing? Yeah. Um, she did a good job picking out her tea and I,
0: like, I love her. I have a huge crush on her. It's like a, a problem. Um, but she was really great when we got to work with her. She did a lot of, like, retweeting and sharing it around and that was really good. So, yeah, her her books are just amazing.
1: Yeah, that was a really fun one. I really enjoyed yeah. it. So what else, like, who else have been big ones that you've been really excited to get?
0: Oh, um, I think we got the new Jan Martel novel who wrote Life of Pi, and we had him for February. And that was really, like, a big get because that's kind of a big name. Um, We've got a couple coming up that are going to be bigger names. Um. Some things that I'm really I'm like looking around at all my bookshelves are like non-view. Mm-hmm. Um but we've had some good luck getting um not necessarily big name authors. We try to focus on debut authors, but some really cool stuff. Like we had a couple of books in translation, which I was very excited about, um, and some sort of you know more indie stuff. We worked with a couple of indie publishers last year, and that was really great. Um, this year, we're focused on. We've had the first half has been pretty much dominated by Penguin Random House, and it's <laughs> just a matter of the fact that I have such a good relationship with them, and uh, they get to me first a lot of the time. <laughs> but we're focusing on you know incorporating more indie publishers, and more diversity. So we have a lot more um, marginalized voices when it comes to race and gender and sexuality coming up for the next half of the year.
1: So how far in advance do you know what's going to be in your box? If I'm
0: on top of my stuff, it's two or three months in advance. I try and be two or three months in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes things happen where the release date changes or um you know things just don't work out timing wise and then I sort of go into panic mode and I have to find something else so I'm like scrambling through my bookshelves to find something else but usually I know two or three months in advance and I have stuff lined up.
1: And then how far in advance do your subscribers find out? Do they just get it in the box and they don't know until it arrives? They
0: actually I am very good at being transparent. I will start posting the month before what they're gonna get in that month's box because my feeling has always been, and a lot of subscription box do keep it secret uh-huh. um, until the boxes are sent, but my feeling has always been because literature is so subjective and Some people are not going to like what other people are going to like. And I don't want you to end up with a stack of books that you're not going to read. I'd rather you be reading them and enjoying them. So if something comes along that you're not interested in, there's the option to skip. And so you'll be able to skip that month in advance if you're not interested or maybe if you already got a copy or whatever the situation may be. And That's always been important to me to make sure that people know what's coming up and my worry is also it's always been a worry that if someone has an allergy to the tea I don't want them to like not know so if there's an issue with the tea they can email me and I can swap it out for something else
1: oh that's really nice I didn't even think about that with the tea I mean I have a food allergy yeah. but I've never had to deal with gluten and tea so
0: yeah well I actually I just had someone email me to day saying that they were vegan and they couldn't have anything with animal products and I was sort of like that's probably not gonna happen but she said milk chocolate or something else might Uh, um, be something that she wants to avoid or someone um, has a chamomile allergy uh, so I try and take that into account.
1: That's really considerate. It's a lot. So so how much... um, how much growth are you seeing in the in the boxes? Like, is it sort of expanding? It sounds like there was a ton of interest at the beginning. Has it been steady or mm-hmm. does it keep growing?
0: It was steady for a while after the Kickstarter, um, which was good. To me, it was like, as long as it's not dropping rapidly... I'm fine. And then we were featured on BuzzFeed. And after the BuzzFeed article, things kind of flew up. And right. now it's steady again. And then we're doing a lot of PR efforts. So there will be a little bit of growth. And then it'll get steady. And, you know, it's like a plateau kind of thing. But as to me, as long as it's not dropping, I'm happy. <laughs> we have, like, a really good community um, you know, I have a bunch of people who have been with me since the beginning, which is really cool. Uh, you know, a couple of my friends are subscribers. So as long as it's like we have this little community and I have my muses and that's good for me.
1: Yeah, which is good for Muse Monthly mm-hmm. to have your exactly. muses. That's so great. Fr- how, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> oh, I mean, monthly, obviously, it's monthly, names. but I'm always curious I went through a
0: names. couple of names at the beginning. Um... We were a kindred box for a while because we were thinking about kindred spirits. We were a couple of things at the beginning. Um, but it really came down to wanting to encap- encapsulate creativity and imagination and um, discovery and things of that nature, and we really spoke to that. And it also sort of speaks to... Um, reading and stretching your mind and um, exposing yourself to new things and that kind of that kind of thing that we try and do every month.
1: Yeah, I love mm-hmm. thinking about how books kind of inspire you and change the way you think about it. And there have been all these studies recently, and I mean, they've been going on for a while, but I keep seeing them posted recently about how reading novels really increases people's empathy, because you can imagine yourself in those situations that maybe you hadn't even Absolutely. thought about before.
0: Absolutely. I always think like I'm really good at understanding people and understanding their motivations. And it's, I think it's because I, I read a lot as a kid and I continued to read a lot because you're exposed to so many different walks of life that you wouldn't necessarily be exposed to in, in your real life. Um, cause you tend as people, we tend to gravitate to people with similar experiences and similar interests and things like that, we don't push ourselves out of our comfort zone a lot. And that's what reading can do. Reading can take you to new worlds and help you discover new languages and new situations. And that's what's really exciting to me as a reader. It's always a learning experience and always a, a discovery experience.
1: So what were you doing before you did Muse Monthly? Like, how was this, like, <laughs> have you been an entrepreneur or is this a totally new thing? I'm just, I'm curious about how you got to this point.
0: Um, directly before Muse Monthly, I was in a really terrible job. I was doing fashion marketing and I was in a situation where I was told when I got the job that it was going to be the stepping stone to the dream job. Um... And it turned out to not be that. It turned out to be very stressful and um, anxiety-inducing to the point where I was having panic attacks at my desk. My hair was falling out. I was physically ill a lot of the time because I was so uncomfortable being there and uncomfortable um, being told to sit at my desk and do the job that I was supposed to do as a creative person. It can be very disheartening. To have someone say, "Why don't you just do what you're told?" When you want to do new things and you want to learn about new things, and you know that you have that potential, um, it's very difficult to be in a situation where no one else sees that. Um, and it got so bad that I, I had to leave. I didn't have a backup plan, but I was like, "I have to get out of here because I'm sick. Like I'm not sleeping. I don't feel well. I'm." Like, I'm just a mess. I don't feel like myself. Um, So shortly after I left that job, I started working on the plans for Muse Monthly. Um, Before that, I did a lot of different things. It was mostly marketing. I worked retail for a while um, in the beginning. Um, But I always wanted... I always knew that I needed to find my own path, and I wasn't ever going to be happy working for someone else. And uh, I remember... Being, I was maybe 22 or 23 and was trying to find a job, you know, like a big girl job, getting out of retail and going into the corporate world and, um, you know, finding a new path. Um, and I was getting so frustrated because I was sending out application after application and not getting any response. And I think a lot of young people had this experience where it's just like you're sending out 20 applications a day and no one's calling you back. And you start to think, like, I'm unhireable. So I remember posting on Facebook and saying what do you do if like you're doing everything you can and no one and you can't find a job. You know, it's not that I wasn't putting in the effort. It was just that I was not getting responses back and someone said create your own job and I was like that's it. <laughs> that's it. Like that like the light bulb went on and that's what I started working towards. I was like okay, well I need to get experience. I need to learn a little bit more about business and then you know, that's the eventual plan is to do something on my own.
1: And now you're making it work.
0: Yeah, which is exciting.
1: I think there's Um, so many people. I mean, I think readers in particular um, Mm -hmm. are just, we're always wanting to learn something new and we're always wanting to be outside of the regular, you know, and there's a, there's a, like a pull to escape, like escape, escape. And I always see this um, in my day job at a, ad agency where i do mm-hmm. proofreading there's like the community that sits in the center of the room in the in the lunchroom and it's like long yeah. tables and they all sit together and i call that like the extroverts area and then mm-hmm. they have these windows along the side and then there's higher desks um, where you can sit on kind of stools and look out the window and that's yeah. the introverts area and it's all these yeah. people lined up and like reading books and doing things and i'm always yeah. there reading and it's I just think that there's very few um, work environments that are hugely validating of people who want to be reading and who want to be growing and who want to be learning more outside of like an academic setting. Yeah.
0: And I always found that very frustrating. And I know a lot of my friends have had similar experiences where they're intelligent, creative people and their jobs are like, why don't you just sit at your desk and do what you're told? Be a little worker monkey. Um, and I don't understand that concept. I really don't. Like, why wouldn't you want your employees to grow to their full potential? Why wouldn't you want them to try something new and to learn about all the different aspects of your business and to, you know, help try and make improvements and give suggestions? Like, what, like it blows my mind that companies are like, no, just do it, you're told. Like, Why? Why wouldn't you want to improve? Why wouldn't you want to um, to use those resources that you have with your, your employees? Why wouldn't you, if someone says, hey, I want to try this. I think I would be good at it. Why wouldn't you say yes? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It blows my mind. I hate that.
1: It drives me crazy.
0: Um, well,
1: it may explain it really the rise is. in entrepreneurship. The fact that there's more and more companies being made outside of large companies because, Mm-hmm. People don't want to be wasted resources. They want to, absolutely, you know, learn more and build something new.
0: Yeah. And I always, um, I was told not to share the story about my, my crappy job. My mom told me, don't tell anyone that because you'll never find another job. And I always <laughs> think, hey, like, I don't really want another job like that, first off. And otherwise, like, there's some, like, poor 22, 23-year-old who is stuck in a job a high pressure job and they're you know bossing her about making coffee for people and you know she like i know there's some girl sitting at her desk thinking i'm worth more than this i can do more than this but who doesn't want to leave because they think it's going to be the stepping stone to their dream job or this is the way that people do it and this is the way that you climb the ladder whatever It's not necessarily true. It's not the only path. It's like if you're stressed out and you're unhappy, there's no reason to be stuck in that job. There's no reason to be unhappy. You need to get out. And I think for creative people, there's a sense of um, dissatisfaction. You never want to be unsatisfied. You never want to be stuck um, doing the same old thing. It's boring. And for people who read a lot and who are used to consuming a lot of information and using their imagination, that can be very stifling.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's funny because in a way, the job you took was a stepping stone to your dream job. It just wasn't inside that company or that industry. It's and true. Um, sometimes we it's, have to try working for someone else to see if it fits for us. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you learn that there are so many great ways to do something else now.
0: It was certainly um, a learning experience in that I learned what I didn't want. (laughs) And I learned for sure... how I wanted my life to go, and I didn't ever, like, I have terrible anxiety, I don't ever want to be in a situation that exacerbates that more than it already is. Like, I get heart, palp- heart palpitations enough. Like, I don't need anyone else putting that stress on me. I really just don't want to be in that situation. I want to live a life that is calm and creative and allows me to have that creative freedom and to always be growing and learning and that isn't necessarily going to happen in a corporate job. I'm sure there are corporate jobs out there. I'm sure there are great companies out there. I know that, you know, there's a lot of startups and a lot of companies that are owned by young people that maybe do a better job of utilizing their employees' capabilities. Um, it was just that my particular situation was not conducive to that, and I, I felt like I needed to get out.
1: It sounds like you made the right choice. I
0: sure hope so.
1: <laughs> I'm having a blast. So I, I, it's
0: a joy every day. I feel like I'm getting away with murder. Like I feel like I can't believe they're still letting me do this. <laughs> um, so it's it's been good. It's been really good.
1: Well, I just want to hear a little bit about the tea side yeah. um, as well. Because I don't know if there are many book readers who don't like tea. I, I just don't know them. And so how do you... <laughs> How do you get in touch with the tea side of it? Are there the same thing as the publishing? like you are there are companies that you like or have you discovered this whole new world of tea through this process? I, di- I, I
0: definitely did discover a whole new world of tea. I will say um, my family have always has always been um, readers and tea drinkers. My mom is a big tea drinker, but it was very much Earl Grey, lemon, you know sort of what I would con- now I would consider the basics maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, And now I was like, okay, well, I can't do that every month. It needs to be something different every month. It needs to be something that you wouldn't find at your grocery store, that you wouldn't necessarily pick up for yourself, that's going to be new flavors. Um, And so I went searching for local tea companies, not the major, you know, Lipton's, Twinings major tea companies but smaller tea companies that were doing something different that were organic and fair trade if we can um, because that's very important to me and I just I searched around and I asked for samples again I asked for it and people were very willing to work with me which was a huge surprise Um, and it's always it's always something different. and it's it's fun because we get to do family tea testings, which is a blast. That is so adorable. Um, it's really it's fun and my mom really enjoys doing that. So um we have a lot of a lot of fun. And now I have like I tell people I think if I stopped doing Muse Monthly now, I'd have enough tea to last me for maybe two or three years. <laughs> Probably more than that. Um so I'm like set for tea for the rest of my life, honestly. Um, but it's it's fun to to try new things and to try things that I wouldn't necessarily go for myself. Um and to push my boundaries a little bit with with new things. Um what's been the biggest and,
1: surprise flavor? Like, oh, I never even thought of that.
0: Oh. You mean for me or for everybody else? For you. Um I guess because I was very much and I still am like mostly an Earl gray person if I'm gonna make myself a cup in the morning it's usually an Earl gray or an Earl gray variety I guess um, I wasn't too huge on fruity teas but um, we've included a couple of things that have uh, different you know exotic fruits, I guess, I would say. So something like mango or papaya or um, we had a banana coconut tea that was really, really good. Um, Chocolate teas were a whole new thing to me, like blew my mind that that even existed. Um, I tend to like a lot of floral teas. So it was all new to some extent, but I think the fruitier teas were something that I was hesitant in that Uh, and to try especially things that are just herbal teas and don't have any black or green tea in them at all um but they're great I mean they make really great iced teas I think the fruity teas make really great iced teas also
1: yeah I was wondering about that because it's been like 100 degrees in Los Angeles this week and I'm just like ooh, Mm. hot tea I don't know but good iced tea is like a miracle when it's hot out
0: yeah Yeah. And I actually, um, we did two custom blends for our anniversary box. We did Muse Monthly Black and Muse Monthly White. Um, And I'm going to try and make iced teas out of those today. That's my project for today. Because someone in Texas emailed me and was like, it's been too hot to try the tea. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give it a go and see if they make good iced teas. Because I can recommend that to everybody else. I think a lot of people are feeling that it's too hot right now.
1: Iced tea with a book is pretty, pretty delightful. Plus, if yeah, you had to keep it, do it ship, outside. Um, do you ship internationally or are you just in the US? Just
0: US and Canada right now. We are working on going international. Um, it's a matter of keeping the rates down when it comes to international shipping because I don't ever want people to be paying more for shipping than they do for the box itself. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So I w- if I was international and someone was like, okay, well, the box is $21 and shipping is $25, i would be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right. Not worth it. I'll go to Barnes & Noble. Um, But a lot of, I've had from the beginning international interest. a lot of people emailing me about that. So it's in the works.
1: Awesome. Yeah, because well, I know, I, I have a feeling that people in the Southern Hemisphere would be very happy to drink tea now. Even if yeah, those of us up here like, oh, I can't take it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a process.
1: It's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's absolutely.
1: great. Yeah, I, I have to say my big like tea confession, if we have tea mm-hmm. confessions, is I feel like I've always felt this tremendous guilt that I don't like Lapsang Souchong tea. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. And I, I think in the same way that I, I like scotch, but I don't like super smoky, peaty real heavy duty. And I had this friend in college, you know, I'm sorry, leaks, if you're listening to this, but, um, <laughs> but she, I would go visit her in New York because she lived in New York and she would say, um, Oh, I've gotten this really special tea. And it was always song Suchong. And I was like, Oh no. So I would drink yeah. it, you know, out of respect for her. And cause she loved it so much. And I always felt like I must be like a dead tea drinker because it's just not my tea, but all the other stuff you're talking about sounds really exciting. Like the the different, you know, a little fruity would be good. Banana coconut sounds crazy. That
0: was a big surprise for me. The banana coconut, it's a rooibos tea, the one that oh. we used. Um, it's a very light flavor. It tastes um, mostly coconutty, honestly. It's not huge on the banana, but it just adds that little bit of sweetness, which was really nice. I will say my tea confession is I'm not great with the more traditional teas. Um, the more like pure top of the line stuff is not something that I was exposed to a lot, and I, um, I think it's a bit of an acquired taste. So for Muse Month, we don't usually go down that road because not everybody's going to respond to it super well unless you're like a tea person.
1: Is that, Um, is that like a pure Irish breakfast or an English, like a pure black tea or? I would say more like
0: a sencha, like a, like a real traditional Japanese green tea. We did do a gunpowder green that went over pretty well. Mm -hmm. And that was maybe the most sort of pure tea that we've gotten. Black teas and um, flavored green teas and rooibos usually do pretty well. um, But this sort of pure leaf um, green teas are something I don't usually go for. Just because I'm, I'm worried that people are going to be like, it tastes like grass. <laughs> what what If you're been, not used to it, it can yeah. be a very confusing
1: thing. It's like ready. wine. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. What has been the crowd favorite?
0: Ooh, um, the V.E. Schwab tea did really well. Um, we just sent out a passion fruit black tea that... Got a really great response and is also one of the things that makes a really great iced tea. Um, our Earl Grey Lavender, which is one of my favorites, was a crowd favorite also. Um, and I think our, our custom blends have been doing really well, nice. which was really cool. That was one of those things that I was, I had wanted to do from the beginning. And I got the opportunity and I was like, this is like a dream project. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> I can't believe they're letting me do this. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but we've had a couple of really, really good ones. I think the vanilla teas do pretty well. So, yeah, we have a lot of fun. Nice.
1: It Everyone likes like different it. stuff. I yeah. love that you've said twice during the show, I can't believe they let me do this, which is <laughs> it's so inspiring and really lovely to hear um, somebody really making a go of it with books as the center of, of what you're doing. So I'm hoping... Mm-hmm that everybody feels inspired and if you are out there if you are the one sitting in your in your desk job feeling really shitty and and just feeling like this is not what I want to be doing then um -hmm. Christina is here to tell you that you can figure something else out it'll be okay
0: it's true I'm a big believer in creating your own life and never remaining unsatisfied if something sucks then screw it like do something different. There's no reason why you shouldn't. You don't need to follow the model that has been set before. You you can create your own path. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Altogether now. It makes me think. Did you read did you read Girlboss?
0: I did read Girlboss. Yeah, I just I have a lot to of love recently. for Sophia Amoruso. Yeah. I love her. Um and I'm like a huge, like nasty girl fan. I uh-huh. love their stuff and I've loved them from the beginning. But she has always been a champion of the weird girl. Yeah. Which I feel a lot of kinship with. I was always the weirdo. I was always like, I was the goth kid at a prep school. And I was always um, feeling like I didn't belong. Like I, you know, I didn't fit in. And I was always called edgy or whatever. And Sophia's book is very much like, you don't have to be this type A Business degree type of person to make it work in an entrepreneurial setting, you know, if you're creative, you know, if you have good instincts, you can just like make a go out of it from your basement or your garage or whatever and make it work and make it big. And that to me was like, oh my God, finally I found someone who's like me, who's like a weirdo, kind of a douchebag kind of person. <laughs> Um, who's like, you know, did some, made some bad decisions and is now, you know, sort of following your dream. Um, And Sophia did so well. And I, after that, I was like, okay, like now I know what I have to do.
1: Yeah. I really so, loved it. The audio version is really good too. It's not her reading it, but they've got a really good reader who sounds like has her attitude. And um, yeah, I really, I really liked it. I thought, oh, people keep saying this is good. I should read it. But as you were talking, I was like, I feel like you've sort of lived that dream really well.
0: Um, yeah. And she says in the book, uh, the straight and narrow is not the only path to success. And that's very much a philosophy that I've taken to heart. Um, and it's not the traditional sort of business book. It's sort yeah. of half business and half autobiography kind of thing. But it's a good read if you're kind of a weirdo, mm-hmm. I
1: think. Yeah, sure. a weirdo who is feeling stifled, stifled in yeah. your current situation. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I found it really valuable. But um, Me too. Yeah. So what's your so what's your next month's selection? We're coming to the end of June as we're recording here. So I think by the time you go out, the July box mm-hmm. will be on its way. So who's coming in July? Right.
0: So the July box is a book called Homegoing by Yagi Yassi. I think I'm pronouncing this right. Um, It's an incredible story about a family from Ghana, Um, two sisters that have never met. They have different fathers. They come from different villages. One of them gets sold into slavery, and one of them marries a white slaver, and it's about the different paths that their families take. So each chapter is told by a different member of the family going down in the generation. So it starts during sort of the european conquest of africa and goes to i believe the harlem renaissance Um, and it's just like how this one like happenstance like it just is a matter of fate that one sister one sister's life went one way and one's went the other way and how that affected the generations to come it's beautifully written, a totally like new and exciting story, not just a story about slavery, but a real human experience story. It's got a lot of heart it deals with a lot of issues of race and sexuality and uh and politics and things like that and it's just like so meaty and juicy and good it's not really like a beach read i wouldn't say it's not you know like a harlequin romance kind of beach read but it's so good like so good i can't even tell you how good it is it blows my mind so i'm very excited about it you can't
1: tell i can tell i'm i'm excited too what so what tea are you gonna put with that one
0: That one, I'm very excited. We're working with a company called Ajiri Teas. And Ajiri Tea is very special because 100% of their profits go towards helping orphans in Africa, in Western Kenya, to go to school, which is really, really cool and, like, so exciting for me. I've been wanting to work with them for a while. And finally, we found something that, uh, a book that paired well with their tea, and we're sending out, Kenyan Black with Mango, which is a beautiful tea. And it's it's just a really cool project and a, a really great company to support. So I'm very excited about that.
1: Since we're going to post it later, I know that people will have already missed the chance for the July box. So if you know, could you share a little bit about... August and maybe even September, so people know what they would get if they sign up for the future.
0: Sure. Um, The August box features a book called The Muse by Jessie Burton, who is the author of The Miniaturist. It's so good, and I know it's a little bit cliche because the book is called The Muse and we're Muse Monthly, but it's so, so freaking good.
1: I love The Miniaturist, so I'm excited for that. She's spectacular,
0: and this is such a good story it's got all the all the elements of a good story it's got romance revenge war politics art like so many different things so it's really really fantastic
1: isn't she under under 30 years old isn't she really young she
0: she might be she looks really young i follow her on twitter and she she looks like maybe she's you know twenty seven to thirty five ish, which makes me angry. <laughs> I always get really angry. The authors are really young because I have not published a book yet, and then these people are publishing one of my favorite um, authors b e Schwab yeah his is like eleven or twelve books deep, and she's only a year older than me, and I get really mad at her about it. <laughs>
1: No, I remember reading Jesse Burton's bio, so and, and thinking, yeah. Jesus Christ! And you know, wait till wait till you're 38 like I am, and you and you're looking right. back on these things, and you're like, What have I been doing? That's a yeah. sidebar. <laughs> um, what's the What's the tea?
0: So the tea is called Flower Crown. It is a white green oolong mix um, with some floral elements mixed in from my friends at Bad Girl Good Tea. And it's so perfect for summer. It's just like the perfect box to round out the summer. And I'm really excited about it.
1: Awesome. And then yeah. do you know September yet? Or is that a surprise and people will just have to wait and find out? The yeah. truth is that I don't know September yet. <laughs> um. well, if you don't know that we can't
0: know. We are going through a couple of options. And it's just a matter of finalizing the date and finally, you know, making sure that what we want is going to be available. So uh, we will know soon, and we usually announce on the first of the month. So on the 1st of August, or around that time, we'll make an announcement.
1: So everybody should look out. And then where, um, I'm so glad you were able to be on with us, and where can everybody find you? I think I've posted, um, I'll have in the show notes, your your social links and website, Mm -hmm. but is there anywhere in particular you hang out more than others?
0: Um, we definitely hang out on Instagram a lot and on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach me directly, Tumblr is probably the best, honestly. Okay. Um, good to know.
1: And oh. our website,
0: newsmonthly.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a treat, and I know we'll have you back. And I can't wait um, for the July box to get my mitts on it and enjoy it. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. All right, we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Secret Library Podcast, where we're going deep inside the world of books. You can listen to all episodes on iTunes, Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found online at secretlibrarypodcast.com. To stay up to date and hear about future episodes, please subscribe to Footnotes, my newsletter, on the site. You can also find out about coaching with me, Caroline, and get book prescriptions and other goodies at carolinedonahue.com. If you have enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, and until next week, happy reading. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show?
0: Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.